0: Now, here comes today's powerful word. It is your word. So grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the city of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed.
1: Okay, so now, last week I began to talk about priorities and I showed us how it's important to learn to prioritize and the first thing I talked about was prioritizing God over money and you don't make money your God because it is a very good servant but a very bad master today let's look at the second thing that the second aspect of priority that I want us to deal with. And like I said, you must get ready for me to get up, like for me to get all up in your business, okay? So, tonight I'm in your business, praise God. (laughs) Okay, so let's look at one of the priorities today. Um, When you touch such topics, you immediately put yourself in the firing line because there are certain things you're going to have to define and certain things you're going to have to, certain borders you're going to have to stand on. And usually when you stand on such, they are not popular among everyone. But Jesus didn't come to be popular. He came to teach the truth. So today, I want to talk about the challenge when you prioritize relationships with ungodly men rather than with God and believers. And by men, I mean both men and women. Now let me tell you where, <laughs> now let me, t- and by relationships, I mean all manner of relationships. okay? Okay, now let me get somewhere. And now I'm aware that Within the audience, we may have some who are not born again. Take this message as the tutorial. For the moment you get born again at the end, you need it. Now, like I said, such messages sometimes have a challenge because um, they seem to segregate and others in ignorance, might refer to it as being judgmental. But I really want you to listen. Because a spiritual man judges all things. Yet he himself is judged of no man. Psalm 1 verse 1. Do we know this one by heart? Psalm 1 verse 1. Okay. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Now let's begin. You want to know what happens to this man? Verse 3. What happens to him? This, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaves shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. That's a promise of God to you. I remember some time back, I I wanted to play football. And so one of my, yeah, I wanted to play football some years ago. And so one of my former colleagues from high school wasn't living so far and he invited me saying, Let's, you know, go for a match. I thought that would be a good idea. And before that, we first went to one of his friends' houses, and his friend was from a friend from church. So I figured, you know, it would be good to connect with Christians. And when that started, um, within a few minutes, they started making some comments about, a, we first started by going for their youth fellowship. Then they started making some comments about some girls from the youth fellowship. And the comments were very sexual. And by the time it was time for the match, oh my God, the words that were coming out of people's mouth when you step on them. I mean, it's football. You're going to step on each other. But the, the, the words, that vulgar words. Um, I decided that if that meant the end to my amazing football career, then my football career was done. I wasn't going to subject myself to that. Because the more you interact with it in a certain space, the more you get used to it. Then the more you get used to it, the more it begins to define what is normal and what is abnormal. And before you know it, you've become lukewarm without knowing, or you've become ungodly without knowing, because you've over-interacted with people who are ungodly. And the challenge is, and I mentioned this, should have been last week or the other week, most people get more counsel from their friends than they do from everybody else. As a matter of fact, more often than not, you spend more time with your friends than you do with your pastor. More often than not, uh, before you've even come to the office to say, pastor, there's this relationship, your friends already know about it. Do you know how many times I've sat in the office and somebody's explaining this crazy stuff they were doing and I asked who knew and their friend knew and they prayed together. The friend was even advising them, no, then do this, then do this, then do that. So you're going to have to be careful about this aspect of your life because for a believer, you have to make a decision when it comes to the issue of ungodliness and the primary aspect of friendship is you're literally doing life with people and so that means there's going to be advice given and that's why when you are choosing your friends it's always important that you look at the kind of conversations you have with them who are your closest five friends write them down No, I'm serious. Write them down. Who are your closest five friends? Write them down. Write them down. I'm not coming to read. (laughs) I'm not coming to read. Who are your closest five friends? This is me pastoring. Are you writing them in your head? (laughs) Let's see. Bernadette is my daughter, so I can read. You're still writing number one. Are you one of those who puts those statuses on Facebook for at uh, something like I can count on one hand? <laughs> okay. Have you written down your closest five friends? Okay. Pick any at random. Pick number three. Number three. Number three on the list. What? What? <laughs> Some of your lists don't have number three. Okay, if you only have number one, then number one by default. If you have two, number two by default, but pick number three on the list. And in all honesty, what do you talk about most with number three? What are are the five topics you discuss the most with number three? Feel free to ask your neighbor, what do you discuss with your number three? (laughs) It's a very honest question yes okay you're number three what do you discuss but you were only on number one you've reached number three already okay this side you only have one friend oh god i pray (laughs) Grant unto thy children friendship. <laughs> no, I'm serious. The same way your eyes see your teachers, may your eyes see your friends. Ha! Like a line up who <would> dance. <laughs> Guys, in case, no, clearly there's some challenges on friendship areas. Start a business, hire yourself out. You can be a friend for. For a wedding period. <laughs> you will even be the one in charge of the committee. <laughs> they won't know that you have been paid for it. Okay, so let's, let's continue. Now, you have to be very careful. If the majority of your friends are not born again, then there will be a problem. There will be a problem. Because what advice will you be given Especially when it comes to matters which are spiritual. And perhaps if we can go deeper, we might say, what in life is actually not spiritual? Okay. Here's where wisdom comes in. Let's, let, let, let's tackle a few questions. Someone said, no, 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 apostle. Um, Jesus, Jesus was a friend of sinners. Right? And I've heard that line used a lot. There's even a song. I like the chorus of the song. <laughs> you you know that song which I like. I think I even sang it last week. Hallelujah, what a You know, I, the the actual the first verse is Jesus, friend of sin. <laughs> so the question is, um, let's 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 try to see this in the scriptures. Was Jesus a friend of sinners? Let's look at the scriptures. Scripture answers scripture. Then is he the one who called himself that, or he was being mocked? Luke 7, from verse 33. Notice something. When a person backslides, there are always people they go back to backsliding is not just to habits backsliding is also to people if a person used to drink and says maybe they've stopped drinking mm-hmm. and then something happens and uh, shanuko then their church hurt and stuff like that eh, so then eh, then that person answered them rudely and then this and this and then they've decided i'm going back to drink most likely they won't call their CEO leader There is probably somebody in their contact list who they'll call to go back to drink with. And perhaps sometimes backsliding is also going back to certain people. I'll tell you this. Now someone, no, I'll give you the wisdom, so don't worry. John, Luke chapter 7, verse 33. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he has a demon. Uh Uh-huh. The son of man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look, a glutton and a wine bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That's what the people were saying. And Jesus was criticizing their comments. Next verse. Verse 35. But wisdom is justified by all her children. Now, you may want to understand verse 35 a bit further. So can we read it from the TPT? Let's start from verse 33. Follow me. When you see it, you just turn your neighbor and say, aha. Okay? When you see it, verse 35. Verse 33 to 35. We'll read it together. Is this a TPT? Yeah. One, two, three, read. When the prophet John came fasting and refused to drink wine, you said, he's crazy. There's a demon in him. When the Son of Man came and went to feast and drank wine, you said, look at this man. He is nothing but a glutton and a drunkard. He spends all his time with tax collectors and other notorious sinners. Verse 35. Nevertheless, I say to you, the wisdom of God will be proven true by the expressions of godliness in everyone who follows me. The question is, did they remain sinners? The question is, did Mary Magdalene remain a sinner? The question is, did Zacchaeus remain a sinner? Then perhaps, no wonder he says wisdom is known by her children. Meaning, you'll be able to see wisdom by the kind of, by what I'll be able to produce out of these people. But the question is, who did Jesus ever call his friends? John 15, verse 15. Now, these are the disciples. Three years after being with him, that's when he used these words. John 15, verse 15. It says, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all things I heard from my father, I have made known to you. It's interesting that for Jesus to call you a friend, it's because you've come into a certain knowledge of the Father. So the question is, the sinners Jesus was with, did they remain sinners? All the encounters we see in the scriptures, the only people who weren't changing were the Pharisees. Everybody else was changing. Then Judas, which but the <laughs> No, but everybody else was changing. So if you're going to use that as your excuse, then there will be a challenge. So somebody may say, okay, fine, apostle. (laughs) What do I do? Do I go to my phone book and delete every number I have ever known? Would you like the wisdom on how to deal with? Let's look at the wisdom. Firstly, When it comes to those who are not saved, you must have a heart for their salvation. You must have a heart for their salvation. You must have a heart for their salvation. That's why you should keep sending them those flyers. Look at 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9. And I want us to read it. And these are scriptures I, <laughs> that we must know. First Corinthians 6 9. It says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Do you see some of these things that go on? Look, we are all Christians. I know you can be seeing me, I'm always in the bar or I'm always changing men or changing women or this, but we're all Christians, I know my God and we've got our own personal relationship. That's not true. It says, as many as received him, to those he gave the power to be called children of God. Meaning we are not all children of God. Some are his creation. Well, scripturally, you become a child of God when you confess the Lord Jesus. And that's why wisdom is known by her children. That's the thing, that's a fact. If you don't understand that, you won't have an urgency to preach to those who are not saved. And it says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? So, listen, by a person's lifestyle, you can tell if they're going to heaven. Scripturally, you can. Someone would say, being judgmental, only God can judge. He's written his judgment over there. It's so clear. Look, do not be deceived, neither Fornicators, if you want to know what fornication is, it's sex before marriage. That's fornication. Idolaters, that's idol worship. No adulterers, that's um, a married person engaging sexually outside their marital home. No homosexuals, no sodomites, because of Facebook policies. I'm sure you know what that is. No thieves, (laughs) no covetous. No drunkards. And you know what? They need to give us back our rainbow. The rainbow is never a sign of that nonsense. The rainbow is a sign of God's mercy. Why, have they, why, why do they keep attacking our rainbow? As in it becomes very difficult to post a rainbow these days. No revilers, no extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11. Someone may say, oh, but oh my goodness, I'm a bit concerned because maybe that used to be my life. Look, and it says, and such were some of you. Are you seeing that? I can sense the relief. <laughs> it says, and such were some of you. And listen, you may have come into this place and this is you. This can be your experience. Now, I want you to hear me before you. It says, such were some of you, but what happened? You were washed. Not just washed, you were sanctified. Do you know what to be sanctified means? To be sanctified means to be made holy, to be set apart and made holy. Then you are not just sanctified, you were justified. Do you know what to be justified is? To be justified means to be acquitted and made righteous. When you are justified, it is just as if it had never happened. You know, um You know, have you ever read Romans eight verse eleven? This is either a powerful revelation or me overthinking, you make a decision. <laughs> Have you ever read Romans eight eleven? It says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Usually this scripture is used to refer to like healing and stuff like that, right? But can I tell you the actual context? Do you know what that means? I want you to imagine there is a believer who died 1,600 years ago. Sometimes when I think about humanity, you know, my mind gets, I start thinking, all these human beings have ever lived and God still cares about me. Anyways, I want you to imagine there's a believer who died 1,600 years ago. Perhaps a believer who died during the time when there was persecution still is in certain parts of the world. But let's say one of those believers who was eaten by a lion, so their body was eaten by a lion. Their spirit left the body. Now, their spirit, spirits are heaven-bound, right? So their spirit went up to heaven, right? Because um, spirits are heaven-bound. And if you read in Hebrews 12, it says we've come to the spirits of just men made perfect. So meaning there are people in heaven right now as it stands. No wonder the Apostle Paul at some point was trying to make a decision, like should I remain here with you or should I go and be with the Lord, okay? And it's a different place from where, if you've read The Rich Man and Lazarus, it's a different place from where Lazarus went, which was Abraham's bosom, because Jesus had not yet ascended. And no wonder in Ephesians, you notice that when he ascended, He had a captive, he led captivity captive. Try to read that in the Amplified, you see what that means. That's a story for another day. Now, I want you to think about this. Do you know that on the day of the resurrection, that person will be united with their body? Now here's what will happen. Now let's say that body was eaten up by a lion. The lion (laughs) even excreted part of the body that lion is then dead and was washed into the sea. Uh, just, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Then by the power of the spirit, you know what will happen on that day? That particle which decompose that part, everything will come, will come. it will unite. <laughs> it will be perfect. Just as if nothing had ever happened to that body. And then that body will actually be glorified And we'll live in our glorified bodies. Like Jesus had a glorified body. A body which could appear and disappear. Right? That was his glorified body. That's our heritage. Now, that's what the spirit of God can do. Now, either I'm overthinking It's a powerful revelation. I'll leave that to you. But then my question then is, What makes you think that when you get born again, he can't undo the nonsense that the body was doing? So let's go back to the scripture that we were in. Verse, if that's what he can do, what makes you think It's just in the heart. So verse 11. Yeah, what makes you think it's just in the heart? So anyways, let's look at this. Verse 11. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6. What makes you think it's just the heart? Let's continue. And such were some of you. <laughs> but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. And by the Spirit our god the same spirit <laughs> okay let's continue <laughs> praise god so now you must understand that ungodliness will lead to people not inheriting the kingdom of god to lead to people going to hell and because of that in your heart any person that you relate with that is not saved you must have a desire in your heart to influence them the right way. You may not be able to have a preaching session every day, but at least in your heart, desire to be influential to them in the right way. Okay? Now, one may say, let me just give you wisdom yet again on how to uh, interact two scriptures. So 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, to 34. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33 to 34. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. It says, go back to 33. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Let me give you another one. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 11. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 11. Okay, I want you to follow me on this one. 1 Corinthians five eleven, And perhaps let's start from verse 10. 1 Corinthians 5, from verse 10. Turn to your neighbor and say, Godly friends. Okay. Maybe we'll start from verse 9. So it says, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I did not mean with the sexually immoral people of of this world. Or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters. Since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I've written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who's sexually immoral or covetous or idolatry or reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not, not even to eat with such a person. Now, let me explain this. Praise God. <laughs> Do you like that we're, going, we're delving deeper in the scriptures? Now, Paul mentions that he's already written that you're supposed to avoid ungodly people. And then he makes an emphasis to say, look, firstly, I acknowledge that it's not possible to completely avoid worldly people because to do that, you have to come out of the world. So, meaning, there are going to be some interactions. And I'm not saying be rude to somebody because they're not of the faith. No, you can still show them love, you can still be there for them. But are they really the person you should be pouring out all your issues to? Because one way or another, there are certain things about the faith that they don't understand. Now, on the other hand, it's even more dangerous if a person calls themselves a believer. Here's why. Because if a person calls themselves a believer, and I'm not talking about someone who's maybe struggling with something and they want to change. No, I'm talking about somebody calls themselves a believer and... They are deliberately practicing certain things. They are the even more dangerous people to hang out with. You know why? Because you walk out with a mindset of, ah, so you can speak in tongues and still do this. Or so you can still do this, but still prophesy. And then, one way or another, they will corrupt your doctrine. Because they'll be the quickest to say the problem with the church today. It's actually better somebody who's worldly and they acknowledge that, look, me, I'm not born again, so I live like this. But where a person is giving you a picture of Christ and Christ is doing A, B, C, D. They are the worst. They'll corrupt your mind. Don't do that. Don't even eat. We are quiet today. So can I give a bit of wisdom for today? Here is some wisdom. Number one. If you're relating with any person who's not saved, relate with them, firstly, knowing that they need to get saved. You can appreciate their uniqueness as a person but know they need to get saved. But then secondly, always relate in an environment in which you are in control. Let me explain. Here is um, what random name can I think of? What's the most random name in the world you can think of? Beanie. <laughs> okay, fine. Here is Brother Jehoshaphat. Yeah, Brother Jehoshaphat. And he's got a friend called He's got a friend called Abimelech and they've been friends for a while and that's his guy and usually they would go out partying and stuff like that and then Jehoshaphat gets saved. Jehoshaphat still loves Abimelech, still wants the best for him, still considers him a good brother to him and every now and then would still want to interact and enjoy the fellowship of Abimelech. The question is, if they're going to have an interaction, where will it be? Will it be, ah, no, Jehoshaphat, you've been my bro for a while, so since today is my birthday, we're all just meeting. And you even know that that place where you're meeting will be the chief place of temptation for you to go back to the old things. Then don't do it. If the reason to lose a friendship is because you're trying to keep your integrity and to protect your relationship with God, it's worth it. I'll say that again. If someone is offended at you because you're preserving your integrity and you're preserving your relationship with God and because you're is saying, look, I don't do that anymore. So look, I don't mind if maybe there's a movie and I come along, but if you're going to meet at that place, no, but it's just a restaurant. But you know that upstairs it's not just a restaurant and if I come at that time, I'll be tempted to go upstairs and do ABCD. Then don't do it. Don't risk, Don't risk the progress you're making spiritually. Simply to appease a friendship. Don't do that. It's never necessary. I don't know if you're hearing me. There is no evil in someone looking at you and saying, that person used to be my good friend. The trouble now is just that they are too godly. There is no trouble. As a matter of fact, in heaven, that's a good testimony of you. That your godliness, and here's the thing. As long as a person doesn't want to change, at some point, your godliness will be considered repulsive. Repulsive. Because there are certain jokes you won't laugh at anymore. There are, certain, <laughs> there, are certain, there are certain things you won't be able to advise anymore. I don't know if you're hearing me. Ladies and gentlemen, unfortunately, unless somebody gets saved, I've noticed that in the long run, friendship between an unbeliever and a believer, eventually, they'll either be compromised or it will die. It's one of those two. You can clap. That's something that I've noticed. <laughs> so you have to be very deliberate about friendship. You have to be very deliberate about who you consider your friend. Now, if that's what we can say about friendship, then what would we say about relationships, romantic If I had a dollar for the number of times I've heard, no, I know he's not saved, but he said he will respect my principles. So this relationship won't have um, sex before marriage because he, he said he will respect my principles. So meaning he's chosen that not because he's a believer. He's chosen that because he's trying to keep you, right? That doesn't usually work out. That the respect has got only so f- it's got only so much strength it can give. The biggest strength to live a godly life, to live a godly life in this day and age can only be by the grace of God. And that comes through salvation. It says the grace of God, which brings salvation, has appeared to all men. That's Titus 2.11, teaching us that denying ungodliness. The way unless you've got grace teaching you and renewing your strength daily, that respect eventually will run out. What am I trying to say? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not certain that you've got any reason to be dating a person who's not born again. Let me say that again. I'm not certain you've got any reason. And Let me put it in two ways. And you know what? I'll be frank. I'll start with the ladies. The ladies, it can be an even bigger challenge in a certain context. Do you know why? Because ideally, especially when one enters marriage, the lady will enter into some submission. They'll be submitting their body. They'll be submitting their destiny. That's one of the biggest things you submit, actually, to your destiny. It means that God can place a burden on your heart for something. And your husband can say no. Imagine having... Imagine God has destined you to be a pastor. Or let's say a a, a pastor. It's in your destiny to be a pastor. We are supposed to ordain you as a pastor. And you'll be the one preaching at some of our overnights because you're a pastor. But then in the first place, just for you to attend an overnight, you need to pray and fast. And time him well. And cook him the best meal ever. And all those things. You need to do that. Where would we even start from? Asking your husband, uh, can we ordain her by calling my wife, a pastor? Where would we actually start from? Where would we start from? And you know something? What happens at 0-2? You you, even know your calling is to be an intercessor. Everyone at home knows you. That you, you can just wake up at 0-2. satire. Hello! You even know that for you, that's just the way your calling is. You want to freak out someone's son? (laughs) No. And you know that's one primary aspect of your calling. And you know intercession and speaking in tongues are like Tom and Jerry. (laughs) And then the day the day you get and this person doesn't believe in speaking in tongues what's going to happen and you know one thing that many people you know many people have got this fantasy when it comes to marriage you know what their fantasy is their fantasy is they think the day if i can just make it to the altar and say i do kwapwa what? That's when it actually starts. People think that marriage is just about the wedding. That's what people think. It's about the wedding. You can have the best wedding in the world and please have it. By all means. But marriage is not the wedding. It's not about the rice and chicken that will come eat. Hello, please make sure it's warm, eh? We wake up a fruit salad. But then it's not about that. <laughs> hmm, how much should I talk? <laughs> now you must be careful and you know for for ladies when if you look at the curse that Uh, God gave when it came to when you look at the curse that God gave when it came to the woman that part was the curse it says your desire shall be for your husband and he shall lord it over you it shows you something like when a woman decides to love oh my God she can like all the brains can escape (laughs) but here's the thing One thing that I've come to realize is that every man needs somebody they are accountable to and somebody they fear. If a man doesn't fear God, I'm afraid. If a man doesn't fear God, I'll be afraid. You know why? Because men don't need to fall out of love to cheat. Let me explain. (laughs) don't worry, you know what, maybe I should just end the service here. (laughs) Okay, fine, let me explain this part. A man can be in love with a woman and still cheat. Because the way men process um, relating sexually with a woman, they don't necessarily process it in the same way they process love. So all he needs to do to cheat is being disciplined. Usually for a man, it's a lack of discipline. And that's why if you are to ask them if they would dare marry any of the women, they will laugh in their face because they don't even consider that, those women anything. But I'll put that again. Ask them if that same woman they're going about doing all those things for, if they can actually marry them. They, they don't consider them wife material at all. They consider them cheating material someone to just satisfy their sexual cravings. but they wouldn't dare want to marry them. As a matter of fact, they would laugh at the thought of marrying them. As a matter of fact, if you hear them discuss it with their friends, they say, Kaja. And that and that's why, and discipline for a man, it comes firstly from being accountable to God. Because... No matter how much of a surveillance a woman is, there is only so much she can do. You have at least one minute to yourself. Discipline comes from God. It comes from God. It comes from knowing that in whatever you do, the Holy Spirit is watching you. And that's why it's alarming. I'm not talking about worldly people. It's alarming if you're two people. You're believers. You genuinely know what is right. And as believers, before you're marrying, you're busy fornicating. You know why? It shows that the two of you don't fear God. What makes you think you will fear him in your marriage? And you know the other challenge there? The other challenge there is that as the two of you, you know what you're doing? You're practicing loving what is illegal. And, that's, and, and, and the funny thing about habits is this. Have you noticed cases where you remove the street kids from the streets, put them in a nice home, they still go back to the streets? So if you think the best way to practice to be faithful is to first satisfy yourself, go all about playing around. You're joking. You're training yourself to love that. And before you know it, that kills you. But men, be careful. You should read Proverbs 5 in your own time. You will see what their doubteress does to you. It says you give her your life. And you know what else you you know what else the adoubtress does to you? Apart from your years? It says your labors will be shared by different people. Your inheritance doesn't go to the people it's supposed to go to. Check where there's been the most inheritance disputes. There's usually a doubter. Check. That's Proverbs, it's not me. Can I just say something for the men now? So So now I want you to see something. How many of you remember what the promise was for David? When David asked, David was an opportunist. He decided to do business. Do you know that you can use your anointing for business? Wait, are you guys aware? Are you wondering? (laughs) Are you wondering, like, is that a strange concept? Do you know you can use your anointing for business? What did David ask? He said, What would be done for the man who killed Goliath? He asked, "What's in it for me?" And it was said, "Your family will never pay taxes, and you'll be given the daughter to sow as a wife." Do you remember that? Anyway, <laughs> so he actually used it for business. Now, um, for example, you can be anointed with skill, serve God in church, anything apart from that charge. Charge. You can be doing my nice capacity building trainings in church. Yeah, train the ushering department. Any, any place else, charge them. can be good at, you've got divine intelligence. Anybody else, charge. <laughs> Praise God. Good at making videos. Monetize your YouTube. Monetize your Facebook. Monetize all those things. Okay, I want us to see... 1 um, Samuel, chapter 18. I want you to see this. So David was supposed to marry Saul's daughter. This is the last part I'll, I'll mention for today. Then Saul said to David, Here's my older daughter Merab. I'll give her to you as a wife. That's First Samuel 18, from verse 17. Only be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul thought... Let my hand not be against him, but the hand of the Philistines be against him. Uh, we've not moved it the side. 1 Samuel 18. Now we're in verse 18. So David said to Saul, who am I that the life, and what is the life of my father's family in Israel, that I should be son-in-law to the king? Uh-huh. But it happened at the time when Merab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given to Adriel, the Meholathite, as a wife. Now, Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David. And they told Saul. And the thing pleased him. Wait here. Saul knew. At this point, Saul hated David. And then the daughter that he was supposed to give David as a wife, he gave to somebody else. And then he found out that one of his other daughters was in love with David and he was excited. You're about to see the reason why. Verse 21. So said, I'll give her to him that she may be a snare to him and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Therefore, Saul said to David a second time, you shall be my son-in-law today. Saul knew the kind of mannerisms his daughter had. This is the same daughter who, when the Ark of the Covenant came and David danced, she's the one who said, what is the king of Israel? That he he undressed himself in front of others. That's the one David answered the penalty and said, it was before God that I danced, who made me king instead of your father. (laughs) So in short... Chances are perhaps she was beautiful. And perhaps she came from rarity. Perhaps the wedding was grand, but she was a bad wife. So Saul was happy. Snare means trap. In short, Saul was so happy to give her as a daughter because he knew this man would be trapped. There would be a challenge with his life by virtue of marrying her. <laughs> I once, <laughs> I, <laughs> that, there are very few times in my life when I've woken up screaming. There was a time this year I woke up screaming. <laughs> I woke up screaming. I, I was freaked out. I had a dream. In that dream, it's like I'd experienced an alternate reality. I've only experienced that once, I think, not once or twice. There was that decision I was going to make, then God showed me what would happen. Then there was that time when God showed me hell. (laughs) So this was similar to it. He's only done that for me on one, a destiny-related decision, two, showing me hell. Now the third time it happened, in the dream, it's like I'd lived a different life and I married somebody else. Then... (laughs) Now, in the dream, I didn't realize it was a dream. So life was going on. Oh, my God. As in I was miserable. I was miserable. I was totally miserable. I wasn't feeling free. I was feeling like, like I can't do, I couldn't do destiny. I, I don't know how best to describe it. I woke up and I... Oh, God. I freaked out. What am I saying? Do you know you can marry the wrong wife? Gentlemen, you know you can marry the wrong wife. And before we even look at how to pick, in the first place, you marry an unbeliever. Are you, are you serious? What will happen the day when there's a situation that needs someone to go get on their knees and pray? What, what do you think will happen when a day comes where you need to make decisions? No, that's why. and somebody's saying, no, that's the one I'll marry because, you know, they look nice and will look nice in photos. (laughs) If this was a men's meeting, I would have said other things. But maybe let me end here. (laughs) Men's, no, we're having a men's meeting soon. But what I'm trying to say, ladies and gentlemen, is if you're not supposed to have bad, like, if you're not supposed to keep certain friendships and even if you're to have them, you, you keep them at a distance. How much more you go and marry an unbeliever? The price to pay for that I think is too high. You can't live the rest of your life in the permissive wheel. I'll say it again. No matter how beautiful you think she is, I'll tell you this. The biggest thing that people do in marriage is make decisions. And unfortunately, two cannot work together unless they agree. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, be careful with your friendships. Be careful with your relationships. Prioritize the kingdom. So I know uh, some of us here are perhaps starting to engage in these areas and you know looking for marriage partners and the like. For those who are already married, follow the advice Paul gave in 1 Corinthians 7 because there we can't say anything. That's why I talk now. Because when you marry, I can't say anything. I'll zip it. Because I own a marriage. So now, some of us are starting to engage on stuff like that. I'm, I'm very, very... My, my biggest challenge to you is this. What, what do you talk about in these same relationships and stuff, in these parts of getting to know each other? What, what do you discuss concerning destiny? What do you discuss concerning... It should go beyond... No, us, we don't do this, and blah, blah, blah. Like, can we actually enter destiny-related discussions? What do you actually discuss concerning destiny? What are the first things you need to know about someone before you can agree to be with them? Those are very important questions. Otherwise, your destiny can be messed up. Somebody can be a trap to you. You can fail to fulfill your ministry because you are with the wrong person. I don't know if you're getting my point. All I will say is there's a scripture where Jesus said a statement when he was talking about the last days. And I'll use this as a code and I'll finish this during the men's meeting. And perhaps would we'll, it, it's just a code for now. Jesus made, made a statement. I'll read it. Let's read it. Can we? It's our last verse. It's a code. So for the men, we're having our men's meeting when? I think within the next few weeks, right? I'm going to discuss this scripture. Maybe, and you know what's interesting? It's only come to me now. Maybe, maybe, you can also get wisdom from it in the era of marriage. Luke 17, verse 32. You read it together. Luke 17, verse 32. One, two, three, read. That's all I'll say. Ha, 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 ha. Do you know who spoke those words? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Can you read it one more time? <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: let me not preempt. Let me, Lord, hold me. <laughs> but maybe, <laughs> maybe there's a reason Jesus gave that code and actually says, if you, want to, like, if you want to live in the last days, one of the things you should do is remember Lot's wife. So, Lot, <laughs> <laughs> choose your wife well. <laughs> Lot's wife didn't enter with uh, no, let's not go into detail. Praise God. Hallelujah. Imagine, willing to go with him to Sodom, but not willing to follow the angel with him. Interesting. Let's <laughs> Let's <laughs> Do not preempt How many of you have been blessed? Okay. In a minute or two, like I said, here at COL, for those who are still getting used to my style, we try our best to do life together. And so that's why we try to talk about these things because we can micromanage certain aspects. Now, you may be listening to me and you're saying, okay, pastor, (laughs) you're preaching some good stuff, but I would like to make the decision to be born again. I want to stop being the bad company. (laughs) I would also want to be the good one. And perhaps you may have messed up in whatever ways. But I want you to make a decision today to start walking the right path. And it just starts with a decision. And you'll be washed, you'll be cleansed, you'll be sanctified, and we'll teach you this stuff so that you live a right life. So if you'd like to respond to this appeal, I would like you to raise your hand now. Just raise it high. Anyone who would like to give their life to Christ today? Raise your hand, please. I'll give you a few seconds. I see that hand. Anybody else? Wonderful. Please come through. Come through. Um, please ask your neighbors. Find out. Some of you, perhaps, you were already walking in this path, but maybe you need to rededicate your life. Um, the one who raised their hand, you can come to the front. Perhaps you need to rededicate your life to God. If you need to rededicate your life to God, and the like, you can raise your hand as well. Um, Protocol is supposed to be helping me right now. Anybody else? Maybe you need to rededicate your life to God. Wonderful. Ah, congratulations. Anybody else? Ah, lovely. Praise God. Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay, wonderful. Please raise your hands. And say after me, say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. And I confess you as my Lord. Amen. Now in the name of Jesus, be filled with the Spirit. Yeah, that's it. Let me have one of the female ministers come, please, quickly. Uh, Leandra, she's got something. In the name of Jesus, be filled with the Spirit today. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, be filled the spirit today thank you praise god let me just speak the blessing and then we give our offerings and the mc lets us go pray with her for even one more minute now in the name of jesus may god give you such grace to pick the right friends In the name of Jesus, you have the right friendships. I pray any relationship that is not good for your destiny, oh God, may it end. And any relationship that is good for your destiny, may God preserve it in the name of Jesus. Any enemy that fights divine relationships and promotes ungodly ones, I rebuke it in Jesus' name. Your divine relationships prosper in jesus name amen i want you to know that the same way satan wants you to have ungodly relationships he hates divine ones he fights them there are some relationships you should keep some relationships you should fight for there are some relationships where you shouldn't be offendable because some are very divine and that's why satan hates them praise god let's give our offerings.
0: service. I have been so blessed and I know you have been too. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You can reach the City of the Lord Church on 0777 930882 If you are unable to call you can email us on Zambia at gmail.com